Welcome to my IELTS classroom, the podcast where two ex-examiners talk all things IELTS. I'm Shelley Cornick. And I'm Nick Long. And today we are discussing listening part four. What makes part four different to the other three parts of the listening test? How can you use the notes to help you follow the lecturer? And how can sentence stress help you find the answer? Hello, Nick. How are you? Hello. I just realized when we were doing our little chat at the beginning there yeah. that you didn't say anything about my hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's not any hair there. <laughs> yeah, I've done it again. I shaved my hair. Is off. it your like, like tri-annual shave? It was, what, first one in five months, I think. Really? So I just went completely bald, basically. Did it myself in about 20 minutes. <laughs> it looks pretty good, though, it's to right. be honest. Yeah, it's all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, we might see if we can get a visual for this at home. Um, uh, I'm feeling very good this week. I am back from my first holiday mm. since I launched my arts classroom almost three years ago. Yeah, well done. I can't believe Glad it. you enjoyed it. I feel amazing. I'm sure it'll only last a few days until a few I hours, get back. Maybe. <laughs> a few hours, but yes, I uh, definitely feel more relaxed now than I did a week ago. Hmm. So um, today we've got a great um episode uh, lined up about listening part four before we do though nick we've got a lovely uh, email that i want to read and share with you mm-hmm. it's from a student called ayumidi emafeki who is from nigeria and she says happy one year podcast birthday thank you very much i listen to your podcast when i walk and it's been amazing listening to you every day you guys are so much fun oh my gosh do you think she's listening to the right podcast nick <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Um, it's very kind. So anyway, importantly, she previously um, she previously took the test in February, and she needed a six point five in writing. So my guess is that um, Ayomidi is a nursing student because mm. nurses need six point five in writing, right? So mm-hmm. she got all the scores she needed in the rest, and she's intending to sit again on the fourteenth of May, which is mm, very soon. Thursday, Couple of days. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought we'd mention this today because um, she's written some really lovely stuff. She also said that she listens to us at the speed of 1.2. Mm-hmm. I must sound like a like a chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> but she thinks is preparing her for whatever the listening course throws at her. So we just want to say good luck. Good luck, yeah. Fingers crossed. You can do it. I would say if you had to give like two pieces of advice for a student who was sitting the writing test, what would be the key things like that you would say to them to focus on in the exam? To focus on? Yeah. Um, try to spend time at the beginning thinking of ideas before you start writing. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else that you would suggest. <laughs> well, my, one, my one similar, my one would be read the question really carefully. True. Yeah. Yeah. And just make sure that whatever you do, you 100% address that Answer question. the question, Cause, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I would say that's where most students go wrong, particularly in the exam, they panic. Then, mm-hmm. definitely, as Nick said, plan your ideas. And I would say, if you can just focus on, you know, imagine that the examiner is somebody that you are trying to persuade, right? So whatever you're writing, just imagine that you are trying to, like, really convince them of your opinion. If you can do that, Mm-hmm. I think you'll be able to get a 6.5. Yeah. Right. But anyway, best of luck. I love the way she signed it off. She said, you're number one fan from Nigeria. So <laughs> brilliant. All right. Well, get back in touch, hopefully, when you get your result. All right. And hope and we'll just got our fingers crossed you on Thursday. I'll be sending you our good luck. <laughs> but today, we're not talking about writing, are we? We're talking about listening part four. Yeah. So let's start. Nick, why don't we start, like always, with your mm-hmm. lovely uh, introduction. Your lovely smooth voice, yes, by just doing a really quick introduction to the basics of listening part four. So in listening part four, which is the final part of the listening test, you will always hear a lecture delivered by one speaker. The topic of the lecture varies, but common topics are animal behavior and the natural world, psychology history, geology, the business world, 
In other words, although it's an academic lecture, the topic will not be very specialised. So there won't be anything like maths or legal lectures with very complex terms. Part four is the only part of the listening test where you do not have a break in the middle of the part. The speaking may pause for two or three seconds, but there is no time to read ahead. And 99% of the time, the part four questions in the listening ask you to complete notes. Thank you very much, Nick. I've missed that voice. It's mm. only been a week. <laughs> All right. So, um, just in your opinion, mm-hmm. what would you say, you know, part four compared to part one, two, and three? Mm-hmm. You now, in terms of difficulty level, where would you place part four? Compared to two and three. But to, compared to one, two, and three, yeah, the other three. I parts. would, honestly, I think three is harder. Yeah, me too. Why? Um, well, we've just been, we actually have just done uh, an intensive listening course last week. Mm-hmm. And it like the amount of information you get in part four is 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 quite nice you have a lot to work with usually i think mm-hmm. and i think if if you can i mean you still need to have high level knowledge of grammar and of and of vocabulary but if you can follow the lecture well right. using the notes i think the the questions are never as difficult as in part three where you have to listen for agreement or you have to listen for surprise or something like that yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I guess the thing to note is that, you know, I'm thinking back to sort of book six or seven, mm-hmm. Cambridge. I don't know how long ago that is now, probably seven or eight years. Mm. If you go back to those books and you look at part four, I don't know, test one in book six, part four is multiple choice questions. Mm-hmm. Um plus a couple of notes completions. In test two, it's matching, right? Whereas now it seems to be that almost always if not always part four is just note completion and I think as you said the fact that you know in our I don't know if we do it in the intensive course but in the live lessons we talk about long notes and short notes Mm. so long notes are sort of you know where you open the page and the whole page is full of notes and short notes is where you've just got a few bullets Mm -hmm. it seems that a lot of them now are long notes okay so as you just said, there's a lot of supporting information there, isn't there, that mm-hmm. can help you follow the lecture. Yep. Um, so I would 100% agree with you. I definitely think that, that parts one and two are still much easier than parts three and four. Mm-hmm. Because number one, they're not academic. And number two, I'd say the speed of the speakers seems a little bit it's slower. It's slower, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kind of the complexity of the multiple choice questions, you can't compare them between part two and part three. No. Um, and as you said, part three has got all of the agreements. So for me, surprisingly, you know, until quite recently, I would have said part four was the most difficult because it was a lecture, right? Mm-hmm. So a lectures seem like they'd be the most complicated language. But mm-hmm. actually, because we've got all of the extra notes to help us follow the lecture, and also because it's a lecture, yep. you know, essentially the speaker wants you to be able to understand what they're saying. Yeah, and a lot of the key words including what's written in the notes and the answers are stressed right which is what we're going to look at today Mm -hmm. exactly right Mm -hmm. so i would say that well i would hope that you know if you should if you're a strong student who's aiming for an eight you've only got in your pocket two or three mistakes right Mm -hmm. that is all that you can make so i would say you kind of want to save at least two of those mistakes for part three for sure yeah so I'm, I would say, you know, if, if you're aiming for an eight, you're going to have to be getting nine or 10 in the lecture, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to aim at today. So this lesson then is based on the fact that you are going to have note completion in part four. All right. So that is what we're looking at today. So it's not just part four, it's note completion in part four. So I guess then there's a few things we need to look at. So the first thing is, you know, real basics. Before you even start listening, if you've got a set of notes to complete, what would be the first thing that the students should check, Nick? Always check how many words you can use first. Exactly. I mean, that is absolutely crucial. For the notes in part four, 90% of the time, it's just one word. If it says two words, does it mean that every every answer in that section will be two words? No, it's up to two words. So I still think most of them would be one and then you'd have a couple that would be two. Right. I mean, I think it's 
that to me was always quite obvious, but it's come to my attention that some students are confused by that. So, you know, if it says two words, definitely one of the answers is two words. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's only going to be one or two of the answers. Yeah. And, you know, the other seven, eight or nine are all mm-hmm. still going to be one word. Mm-hmm. So you definitely quickly want to check how many words um you can use you've also then got although we don't have the break in the middle so there's no second 30 seconds to check and read the questions you still do have I think it's a bit longer I think it's 40 seconds for part four you still have time to look you know at the questions before you start now if we imagine that we have got a lot of notes Mm -hmm. would you recommend that the student reads all of those notes in in the 30 seconds I don't think it would be possible would it really no, it's not. So what do you think they should focus on? It's mm, tricky. I'm not sure. What, what do you think? I would say read the heading, right? They always tell you what the lecture is going to be about. Mm-hmm. So I definitely start by quickly reading that. I mean, that's going to take one second, right? So at mm-hmm. least your brain knows what we're doing. Then because it's notes, the great thing about notes is that they have headings. Yes. So I might quickly look down the headings and mm. just see like, okay, this is a this is a listening about, I don't know, cats. <laughs> and we're going to listen to uh, the ancient Egypt history of cats. Mm-hmm. I know, maybe it's like a history one, right? So like four different periods of cats. So at least you've got a basic <laughs> idea of what's going to happen in the lecture. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it really could be lecture topic sadly um but then what i would definitely do then is i mean that is going to take you two or three seconds yeah no longer what i would then focus on is the sentences that that have the missing information Mm -hmm. and i would have a look at those and extremely quickly i would just think what am i listening for in each of these sentences and it may just simply be the type of word which Mm -hmm. is missing Mm -hmm. in general though you know Oh, it just seems funny to me because when I was teaching at universities, we used to do these listenings, right, where I'd spend ages teaching the students, you know, what type of word was missing from each space. Is it an adjective? Mm-hmm. Is it an adverb? Is it a, a noun? Is it a you know verb? In IELTS, 99% of the time, what type of word is usually missing? It's almost always a noun, isn't it? It is almost always a noun. And mm-hmm. I, that actually shocked me a little bit at the beginning of last year when I actually sat down and analysed all the Cambridge books. I started laughing at all the time that I'd wasted mm-hmm. teaching students like, oh, how, you know, how what do you know if it's... What word ad- is it? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, noun, noun, mm-hmm. noun. So the thing is, though, is that even though it's a noun, I guess what is different is that because in English we have, I guess, three different types of nouns, don't yep. we? Mm-hmm. Singular, plural, and uncountable. So I would say definitely, you know, as you're looking at the spaces, you want to think what type of word is missing. Mm -hmm. Or I would say, actually, don't even ask that question. Just say, is it a noun? Yes. And then ask yourself basically what type of noun. So how what clues are given in the text to help students know what type of noun is missing? Well, we'd know if it was a singular noun, if there was a or an before it. Right. So I would say Mm -hmm. that is the biggest clue usually, right? Mm -hmm. It says a or it says an before Mm -hmm. the space. That also gives us a clue. You know, it's a small clue, but as to the first letter of the answer, right? It does, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because what if if, if there's an an before the space, what must the noun, what letters must the noun start with? A vowel, A-E-I-O-U. Exactly. That doesn't happen very often. Most of the time it's a, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a consonant. But you definitely want to look for if there's an article before the space. Mm. That's crucial. What other words might give a clue as to the type of noun? Um, Words like some. Yeah. Right. So if it's quantifiers, is that? Is that a quantifier? It is a type of quantifier, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good. So you might have some. Now, some's a tricky one. Because that would mean it's plural or uncountable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird, isn't it, to have some plus an uncountable noun. Mm-hmm. But it definitely is either going to be plural or uncountable. And one problem which many students have is that they don't hear the S at the end of mm-hmm. English words. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in particular of our lovely student Ragda, if she's listening. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. She just has like a blind spot in her <laughs> hearing for S's. So, yeah, if you've got some, you know, be listening if it's got an S at the end of the word, right? That's really important. Other quantifiers, you know, it may say much, so you know it's uncountable, mm-hmm. or many, yes. which, 
which is countable. A lot of is annoying because it can be either. Mm. Um, the other thing that might give you a clue as to the type of word which is missing is parallelism, right? Which is that we in English, we usually have the same type of word before and mm-hmm. or but or or mm-hmm. as we do after and but or or, right? So I'm thinking of there's... um. There's a question that we do in the intensive course, Mitch. Do you remember the listening about kites? New Zealand Maori kites, yeah? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says um, uh, they tied shells and blank or something. Shells and something were added to the kites. Mm-hmm. Because you've got shells, plural, mm-hmm. before the and, that should give you the clue. That the other that one's also is going to be plural as well. Is also yeah. going to be a plural. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, doing this kind of thing, maybe for some of you is natural. Mm-hmm. Maybe for some uh, some of you, you've never thought about these things before and it may take you a bit of time. But I would say 30 seconds is actually enough time to read those 10 notes mm. and more or less just predict the type of word that you're listening for. Or at the very least, underline the as and the ands for or sure. the sums mm-hmm. so that when you're listening, you know what you're listening for. Mm-hmm. Now, the next step, is you can actually, rather mm. than just saying noun, plural noun, uncountable noun, right? <laughs> you can actually, to be honest, I think, actually predict what the answer could be. And I have noticed, you know, when we have live lessons where I've got 20 students and I say, you know, and we're practicing, you know, analysing the questions before uh, we listen. And we're doing this, we're looking at the questions and then I say to the students, what goes in this space? Almost always somebody predicts the correct answer. It's good. That's what we want. Sometimes they predict some really, really crazy ones. answers, mm-hmm. though. <laughs> yeah, which make me laugh. But I would say the more deeply you can kind of connect with the topic and you can think, all right, what could logically go here? I think the higher the chance you're going to have of picking that word out yes. when mm-hmm. you listen. So I've chosen for us. Um, it's from Cambridge Book 15, Test 3, Part 4. The lecture of... <laughs> The early history of keeping clean. <laughs> so, based on that topic, what do you think this text is going to be about, or, or the lecture is going to be about? How bathing has transformed over the centuries. <laughs> exactly. Why did I choose that? It's because last week, you I'm not spent, joking, you spent I had a lot of time. three baths every day at the sanatorium. Nice. Yeah, that's what we want. Um, So I'm extremely keen this week. So I would say, let's have a really quick look. So let's just start. If if we only looked at what type of word we are looking for, like nouns, verbs, or uncountable nouns. Okay. Um, Now, before we start, you obviously can't see this at home. I would say in other episodes where we've looked at listening, it's okay just to listen. But if you can today, I strongly recommend you actually go to our blog post page you can do that by going to blog.myieltsclassroom.com or you can just go to our homepage, myieltsclassroom.com and scroll down there's a link to the blog in the footer of every page of the website or on our free um, materials page basically get yourself to the blog post for this episode because particularly later on if you can't see the notes, you're going to get quite lost and you're not going to get the full benefit of what we're teaching. Mm. All right. So mm-hmm. go there now. Um, if you're listening, if you're listening on a computer, it's easy. If you're listening on your phone, have a quick scroll to the episode notes and you can find the link directly there. Right. Click on it. You'll still be able to hear us. Just listen and have a look at these notes. So Nick, I would say if you were just doing the type of word that is missing. Mm-hmm. So we've got prehistoric times. Water was used to wash off. Noun something right Mm -hmm. ancient babylon soap-like material found in something cylinders adjective yeah ancient greece used a striggle scraper made of noun Uh uh-huh ancient germany used soap to color their Mm, noun plural noun noun yeah and from 35 um water carried to roman noun Noun mm-hmm. by aqueducts. So to be honest, not really not helpful, really, is it? Mm. <laughs> it's not very helpful. Noun, <laughs> noun, <laughs> adjective, noun. Right. So I think this is a good example of how. And actually, in the first five questions, there's not even any articles. No, that's true. There are later. I, I think questions 30, 38 and thirty nine have, have both got an ah. So that may have been a bit more interesting because you could have said singular noun. Mm-hmm. But I would say then. 
instead of just going now, 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 why don't we actually just try and predict what these answers could be? Let's go for it. So prehistoric times, water was used to wash off... Either dirt, muck or grime. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's make a note of those. Dirt, muck or grime. They are great synonyms for dirt. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Uh, Ancient Babylon, Mm -hmm. soap-like material found in something cylinders. Something cylinders. Uh, Babylon. Where's Babylon? I don't know. I think it's like Middle Middle East, isn't it? Mm. I think it's in the modern day Iraq. Iraq. Mm. Babylonia. Sort of like material found in, I don't know, this is uh, cylinders. Mm. Well, it's a type of cylinder, isn't it? Mm. Essentially. I mean, I don't really, I don't know enough about cylinders to really know. But is it going to be, what? is it a natural cylinder or is it a man made construction cylinder? This one's tricky. I, I don't think I could guess, that, guess this one. Exactly, right. So I would guess, I I would just basically be thinking, all right, it's a type of cylinder, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, yeah, Babylon was in Meso- uh, Mesopotamia, mm. which is in modern day Iraq. Wow, I'm impressed. And you know how we knew that, Nick? How? Objective IELTS. <laughs> <laughs> Unit 9, geography. That's how I learned Excellent. that fact. It's how I know anything is just from a just from an English textbook. All right. Used so ancient Greece, people cleaned themselves. They used a striggle, a scraper made of Um I'm gonna guess wood or plastic. Uh, wood or metal here. Wood or metal, exactly. Yeah. So basically we know we're not just listening for a noun there, are we? We're well, listening some for some kind sort of material. Of material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just going that next step is gonna make it much easier for us to identify that mm-hmm. when we hear it, I think. Um okay. Ancient Germany, they used soap to colour their... Hair or clothes. Good guess. I feel like we're on family fortunes, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> we surveyed 100 people. Our survey said... <laughs> <laughs> All right. And from uh, 312 BC, water was carried to Romans something by aqueducts. Um, settlements, towns. Brilliant. I would also like predict that. something like that. Okay. Yeah. So I would say... Before we start listening, right? Quickly check how many words that we can use and also mm-hmm. try and predict the answers. I would say then, as we are listening, there are also essentially, I would say, with these notes, as we kind of discussed at the beginning, Nick, right? Because we've got so much information here, the notes are your friends, right? I know that, you know, in multiple choice, when you've mm-hmm. got long answers or like long options for multiple choice that's a disaster right because you need Mm. to like understand that you know read it all understand it process it so a lot of information is bad but in part four is the absolute opposite the more notes you have the easier it's going to be for you to follow so i would say definitely whenever you've got notes Use the headings, right? For this particular listening, we have got one, two, three, four, five. The speaker is going to talk about five different periods of time, at least for the first five questions. So if you got lost, right, if you're listening to the prehistoric times and you don't hear the answer, what was it, grime, muck or or dirt, Mm -hmm. if you don't hear that answer and you're still listening and suddenly you hear ancient Babylon, you know that you've missed it, but it's okay. You can find your way back. Yes. Right. And that is the key thing. You, it's okay to miss one answer, but if you miss four or five, it's going to be a complete disaster. So the headings are your way back if you get lost. Mm-hmm. I would also say then, um, what you really want to do is, as you're listening, is just... Now, this is brilliant if you're doing the paper-based test. This is what I would recommend you do is you sit there, do not ignore the the notes which are complete, right? So some of the bullet points, there won't be any answers. Like if we're looking at this one, ancient Greece, there's a bullet that says people cleaned themselves with sand and other substances. We're not listening for any answers there, but should we ignore it? No, that's going to help us understand where we are in the... That is going to help us follow the text. So if you are in the paper-based test, I would have my pencil and I would be, as the the lecturer is speaking, underlining every word as I Mm -hmm. hear it and following that lecture word for word. Also, you should 
be aware that although the notes here, you know, prehistoric times is only one line, ancient Babylon is only one line, Mm -hmm. ancient Greece is three lines. So it looks like the speaker's going to talk for more time about ancient Mm. Greece than the other two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work like that. No, that's not, yeah. That's not it's case, kind usually. of strange, actually. What I've realised since I've started teaching a lot of listening is that there are times in listening where the speaker really does blah, 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 blah mm-hmm. for almost a minute sometimes. On one specific thing. On one thing. And maybe the note for that thing is just two or three words. Yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting there going, have I missed something? I don't know. What's he talking about? Yeah. And then you'll suddenly get the keyword from the next note and that's when you come back. Mm-hmm. That is why if you're not using the notes, you would get totally lost in that minute because often the language is complicated, the meaning is not very clear mm-hmm. and you're going to start not understanding where you are. But if you just 100% say, I am just listening until I hear the keywords or sometimes synonyms for the keywords in each note and follow those notes, you will almost always get to the answer. So what we're going to do, Nick, is we are going to do a little practice. Now, what I have done is, now we do this in our live lessons and in our intensive course, I'm going to play the text. Mm -hmm. And as the text plays, if you go to the blog post page, you will see a video where I am underlining the keywords as I hear them on the lecture. I didn't know how to finish that sentence, right? So you can watch that video. Watch me underlining the keywords and then see if you can find the answers to these questions, right? Mm-hmm. If you follow the keywords in the notes, it actually becomes quite easy to find that missing word because, you know, you're going to hear all of the keywords and then suddenly there'll be a space mm-hmm. or one word which fits into the missing notes. So if you can... You don't have to. You could just listen to this here and do it yourself. But you could also pause now and watch the video of me and you'll hear the text at the same time. And then we'll come back and check our answers. Part four. You will hear part of a lecture on the early history of keeping clean. Nowadays, we use different products for personal cleanliness, laundry, dishwashing and household cleaning but this is very much a 20th century development. The origins of cleanliness date back to prehistoric times. Since water is essential for life, the earliest people lived near water and knew something about its cleansing properties, at least that it rinsed mud off their hands. During the excavation of ancient Babylon, evidence was found that soap-making was known as early as 2800 BC. Archaeologists discovered cylinders made of clay, with inscriptions on them saying that fats were boiled with ashes. This is a method of making soap, though there's no reference to the purpose of this material. The early Greeks bathed for aesthetic reasons and apparently didn't use soap. Instead, they cleaned their bodies with blocks of sand Uh, pumice and ashes, then anointed themselves with oil and scraped off the oil and dirt with a metal instrument known as a strigil. They also used oil mixed with ashes. Clothes were washed without soap in streams. The ancient Germans and Gauls are also credited with discovering how to make a substance called soap made of melted animal fat and ashes. They used this mixture to tint their hair red. Soap got its name, according to an ancient Roman legend, from Mount Sapo, where animals were sacrificed, leaving deposits of animal fat. Rain washed these deposits, along with wood ashes, down into the clay soil along the River Tiber. Women found that this mixture greatly reduced the effort required to wash their clothes. As Roman civilization advanced, so did bathing. The first of the famous Roman baths, supplied with water from their aqueducts, was built around 312 BC. The baths were luxurious 
and bathing became very popular. And by the 2nd century AD, the Greek physician Galen recommended soap for both medicinal and cleansing purposes. All right, Nick, so let's have a look, see how good our predictions were. In prehistoric mm-hmm. time, water was used to wash off... Mud. So that was very close. <laughs> you were extremely close, right, with dirt. Exactly. Much easier to spell as well, mud. True, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is another problem in part four, because if you, if you spell the answers wrong, you're not going to get the point here. True. All right, good. So... 31 was mud. What about 32? Mm-hmm. Soap-like material. Clay cylinders. Clay cylinders. So it was the material that it was mm-hmm. made of, right? Which is what we said. Prediction was correct. Yeah, I, I did. Oh, wait, hang on. No, we didn't say that, did we? I think the, the strigil, we, we guessed Yeah, the strigil, the we, guessed, we said it was a material, didn't we? I had no idea. I, I wondered if it was going to be a size. Mm. I don't know, what underground cylinders. Could have been, I'm not yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But it was just clay. All right, now the strigil we did was get. made of... Metal. It was made of metal. Which is right, what so you predicted that one I said one wood or metal, didn't I? So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, soap was used to colour their... Hair, like I said. I said like clothes or hair. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then water was carried to Roman... Baths. It was baths, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a town, it was the Roman baths, which actually, R- as English mm-hmm. people, we should be... We should have known that because we're quite famous for the Roman baths. Actually, in... in in my hometown, there's a yeah. pub called the Roman Bath. Really? And they have an actual Roman bath underneath in the, underneath a pub in the basement. It's built on top of one. Wow. And uh, if you ever go on the ghost tour of York, yeah, then that's a pretty big point because apparently lots of people have seen ghosts in the, Ro- in the Roman Bath pub. What, like having a shower? People, no, people walking. And this is true. This oh, is what really? lots, of pe- lots of people have said. They, they, see, they see people walking like through the floor so they're sort of from the knees down that you can't uh, see their legs because they're walking yeah. on the old floor yeah basically yeah it's Ooh, quite creepy isn't it <laughs> it's quite creepy <laughs> all right so nick has got all of the correct answers well mm. done if you watch the video where i'm underlining the keywords i hope you can see what i'm trying to get through to you about the importance of these notes right if Mm -hmm. you were just waiting and underlining essentially the notes pretty much lead you to the answer Mm -hmm. but there are still some tricks so i would say in in those five questions that we just looked at i think that i saw three tricks which ielts repeats again and again Mm -hmm. and again so let's start with the first one in that first question um Mm -hmm. water was used to wash off dirt Relatively easy, except mm. they didn't say wash off. Did they not? <laughs> no. They used the word rinse. Uh, that's quite a tricky synonym, actually, isn't it? I think it's an extremely tricky synonym. Mm. Right. So, rinse dirt off their clothes, I think they said, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think they said rinse dirt off their hands. Oh, off their hands, sorry. Yeah, their hands. Mm-hmm. So that's the second trick I think they used here. So trick number one is you're not always going to hear exactly the same words. Yeah. You will sure. hear, often you will actually hear the same words because that's what's helping you follow the notes. But often mm. in, in the note, in, in the bullet that contains the answer, yeah. be prepared for synonyms. Mm-hmm. I also think, Nick, that if they'd added hands after the space... It would make it a bit easier, wouldn't it? It would have been a much easier item, right? Because mm-hmm. you would have heard rinse, don't know that word, dirt, hands. You would have heard hands and gone, ah, the answer's dirt. Mm-hmm. But I would say that's the second trick here is that they've removed one of the keywords to sort of mm-hmm. make it a bit trickier. Okay. Um, now, more importantly, because I think this is really key, for question 32 for our clay cylinders... Now, I don't know if you realise this, Nick, right? But the word we were listening for here, clay, came before cylinders in the notes. But in the text, it was cylinders made of clay, wasn't it? Exactly. So the word order is the last trick. It is. And that is, I think, the biggest trick that they use. So what Mm. I would say is when you're focusing on these notes and you're listening for the key words to find the missing words, Mm -hmm. don't just focus on the words before the space. Yeah. That's quite common, Listen to the whole sentence, basically, before you make a decision. I would say, look at Mm -hmm. all of the sentence as possible keywords to guide you Mm. and be prepared that you might hear words after the space before the actual word. 
In question 33, it was the opposite, right? Because in question 33, this strigil made of metal. They said metal, didn't they? Strigil. It metal came way before we heard or, the word Yeah, strigil. it was something like that from a device made of metal, which was called a strigil or, strigil or something like that, wasn't it? It Yeah, exactly. Mm. So you didn't hear strigil until way after you'd heard mm-hmm. the word metal, even though it becomes way, it's much before it in the notes. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, I don't know, I guess in computer times, you need like, you need to sort of like hold the last five seconds in your brain. Because mm. you may need to go back to retrieve an answer from something which has just come before. Mm-hmm. So that is the biggest trick, right? The keywords are around the space, but just because it's after it doesn't mean you'll hear it after. Just because it's before, it doesn't mean you'll hear it before. And actually, in question 35, our Roman baths, mm. that was a weird one because it did say... I think aqueducts came after baths, Mm -hmm. but the number from about 312 BC, that would be the thing you would probably listen for if you were lost. That came way after the answer. Mm -hmm. So although it appears at the beginning of the note, it didn't, you didn't hear that until much, much later. So don't think of the, the notes that, or don't think of the bullet with the missing word as, something which will appear in the same order. Think of all of the keywords, whether they're before the space or after the space, as indicators that the answer is coming, but they're going to change the word order because it's IELTS, <laughs> all right? Um, they also, I think, used another synonym, just to go back to the last one, question number 34. So in question 31, they said rinse dirt. In mm. question 34... They didn't say colour their hair. I think they hear? said dye their hair, did they? They said dye their hair, which I don't know. I just remember I used to teach. There used to be a lesson in English file up into media. Are you a risk taker? Do you remember that mm-hmm. one? Yes, of course I do. Yeah. And it says, would you ever dye your hair? Mm-hmm. Or have you ever dyed your hair a different colour? Mm-hmm. Like a crazy colour. Mm-hmm. I remember in Russia, nobody knew what that meant. Dye. Yeah. So that they like make... to say paint your hair. Don't <laughs> paint they? your hair. Would you like to paint your hair? No, not really. Um, <laughs> so I guess what we're doing is we're using the notes as what I call scaffolding, things mm-hmm. that help us follow the lecture. But we've got to be careful for synonyms, and you've also got to be careful that keywords can appear before and after the space. Cool. So they're the basics. I encourage you, you know, go back to some. Questions, go back to some Cambridge books that you've already done. I'm sure most people here listening have done multiple Cambridge books, right? But if you really want to practice, get out your pencil, press play, and just practice underlining the keywords in notes as you hear them, right? Get into that system of following it by following the notes. I promise you, once you start to do that, these questions really unlock and become a lot easier. Hi. I'm Noor from Pakistan. I study with my IELTS classroom because of the immense support Shelly offers. She is one of the most committed teachers out there. I study with my IELTS classroom because ma'am explains everything so well and ma'am is so supportive. Thanks a lot for being here ma'am. Thank you. I study with my IELTS classroom because it's informative and lively sessions. I study with my IELTS classroom because I like it. So, that's imp- all of that is really important. But what I want to do next is look at maybe a more advanced skill. So, this came about, Nick. The reason that I sort of understood what was happening with speaker stress or sentence stress mm. was... Um, I don't know if I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but basically I used to teach IELTS. Well, when we worked at the same school, mm-hmm. I would hear at 9.15, your classes used to end, right? If you were doing upper intermediate or advanced. Yep. <laughs> and my classes had another 45 minutes because they didn't end until 10 p.m. They didn't. <laughs> which is pretty late, really, to be teaching. It is quite late. It? Yeah. Um, so but actually, it, for St. Pete, it's not so late, to be honest. No, that's true, actually. And, and, <laughs> and soon in June, it'll be white nights. It doesn't even get dark until like, 1 a.m. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so I would be sitting, and one of the things I used to like doing, mm. um, 
later in the lesson. So I don't we start with the difficult stuff, right? So mm. we do like some writing or some grammar or some speaking. And then towards the end of the lesson, I used to do things which were, I used to do the receptive skills, a bit more reading, a bit more listening, a bit quieter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as everyone was tired. So I quite often would play in listening. And I'm not going to lie, I'd done the listenings at least 50 times each. So I didn't really need to listen. So I just used to quietly sit with my eyes shut and just think <laughs> about what I was going to do when I finished work. Basically, what I was going to have for my dinner. Mm. And as I was sitting there with my eyes shut, not really listening, like the tape scripts just like, wow, wow, wow in the background. I suddenly realized that because I knew what the answers were. Mm. I would just hear the, the lecturer basically. I mean, it was like they were trying to say to the students, here is the answer. So you would hear, la, 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 dirt, la, 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 clay. Like those were the answers for the last one, right? It is, once you notice it, the, the speakers or the lecturers in the IELTS exam really, really emphasize their answers wrongly the answers right Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it's every answer but it is definitely some of them for sure Mm -hmm. yeah five or six answers Mm -hmm. so i started teaching my students all right i'm going to ask you to listen we're not even going to have the answers like the questions and i want you to write down what you think could be the answers to the questions based on the stressed words Mm -hmm. and just doing that the students could get five or six correct answers wow just to make this clear, they can't even see the questions. They are just writing down the words which, which are stressed. stressed. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, I'm not suggesting in the exam you close your eyes <laughs> just listen <laughs> for the stressed answers, right? That is not a good tactic. But if you combine predicting what the answers are going to be, the type of words, following the notes, understanding the lecture and listening for the the speaker stress i think it's kind of the icing on the cake that makes everything much easier Mm -hmm. so we're going to move then i thought that was enough about the history of keeping clean um (laughs) i don't think we need to listen to the end the future of keeping clean yeah no it's not (laughs) so we're going to listen to right what i thought was interesting because this is a psychology lecture okay about memory memory um first of all then all we're going to do and this is something you can do if you can't see the blog post all i want you to do is listen to the first again we're just going to do the first five questions right Mm -hmm. so we're going to listen to the first half of this lecture just get a pen or a pencil as you listen write down any words that you feel are spoken more strongly more slowly basically more clearly than the other words. So it's going to be blah, 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 the word, blah, 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 like that, okay? Let's do that and then let's see what, I did this half an hour ago, Nick. So number one, let's see if we pick the same words because that seems interesting, yeah? And then we'll have a look at the questions and we'll match the words that we got stressed and what we can hear. All right, so this is Cambridge Book 13, Test 2, Part four, let's play the tape. Section four. You will hear a lecturer in psychology talking about a type of memory. Today, we'll be continuing the series of lectures on memory by focusing on what is called episodic memory and what can happen if this is not working properly. Episodic memory refers to the memory of an event or episode. Episodic memories allow us to mentally travel back in time to an event from the past. Episodic memories include various details about these events. For example, when an event happened and other information, such as the location. To help understand this concept, try to remember the last time you ate dinner at a restaurant. The ability to remember where you ate, who you were with and the items you ordered are all features of an episodic memory. Episodic memory is distinct from another type of memory called semantic memory. This is the type of factual memory 
that we have in common with everyone else. That is your general knowledge of the world. To build upon a previous example, remembering where you parked your car is an example of episodic memory. But your understanding of what a car is and how an engine works are examples of semantic memory. Unlike episodic memory, semantic memory isn't dependent on recalling personal experiences. Episodic memory can be thought of as a process with several different steps of memory processing, encoding, consolidation and retrieval. The initial step is called encoding. This involves the process of receiving and registering information which is necessary for creating memories of information or events that you experience. The degree to which you can successfully encode information depends on the level of attention you give to an event while it's actually happening. Being distracted can make effective encoding very difficult. Encoding of episodic memories is also influenced by how you process the event. For example, if you were introduced to someone called Charlie, you might make the connection that your uncle has the same name. Future recollection of Charlie's name is much easier if you have a strategy to help you encode it. All right, mate. So there was a lot of memory in that in that one. Um, so if we start from the beginning, now, mm-hmm. listeners at home, there's no right or wrong answers to this, right? So whatever you wrote down or whatever you heard stressed is great. It would be good, though, if we had at least some of the, the words which were the same, right? Because that means mm-hmm. that we can really hear the stress. So what did you have, starting from the top? Do you want me to just go through all of them or? Yeah, just go through all of them, That's yeah. quite a lot. I've made quite a few notes here right i've got episodic event back in time the past details location dinner Uh semantic general knowledge engine personal experience steps processing now i'm stuck because i can't read my own writing um (laughs) (laughs) hang on uh retrieval maybe yeah um encoding attention difficult how and strategy okay to be honest, mate, I would say we've got about 75 or 80% of the same words. Mm-hmm. I think you've got slightly more than me, mm-hmm. which just is because I'm a bit lazier. Right? <laughs> but what I would say is if we actually get up now mm-hmm. the the notes for this. Oh, wow. There's a lot right? of notes there. So there are a lot of notes. Now, my notes, I started by, you know, the first one I had was episodic memory. Mm-hmm. I guess that's going to be the title, isn't it? Probably episodic memory. So episodic memory was the title, Mm -hmm. right? And I would say then later on, she also says there are three something, something, encoding, consolidation, Mm -hmm. and retrieval. retrieval. Mm -hmm. She said them really clearly. They are the three subheadings Ah, as well. Okay, cool. So basically you've got episodic memory and then encoding, consolidation, and retrieval, right? So they Mm -hmm. are definitely there. Then I also, like you, I heard, um, if we look at this, we've got the headings. If we then look at the actual notes to see if we can match any words there. I think, did you have details? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, so details is in the first Okay, yeah. The ability to recall details, the time and location, I guess, is the first answer. (laughs) The answer is location. But you also picked up past events. I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... From that first bullet, you heard stress, details, and past Mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. They don't just stress the answers. They stress the key words in the bullets to help Mm -hmm. you find the answers, Mm -hmm. right? Um, There was also semantic memory, which is in the next bullet. Mm -hmm. And then she said very strongly general knowledge. Yep. So general knowledge, I think, is general information. General information. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of that basically comes from the next one. We've also got further down the notes, we've got receiving and processing, I heard, Mm -hmm. encoded, Mm -hmm. strategy Mm -hmm. in the last one. Right. So once you've gone through and you've underlined all of the key words that you heard, 
in the notes, mm. you're basically often just left with the answers. So I think what we'll do is we'll play the tape again, mm-hmm. right? So we'll insert the, the audio recording again into the um, text now. And if you're listening at home, now let's do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Looking, though, at the notes, following the notes like we did last time, but also now listening for the stressed words to see what the answers are. I bet you you're going to find this much easier mm. because as Nick said, I think number 31 is location, <laughs> which she really stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I didn't know I shouldn't give the answers out yet. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I do think, though, there's only one answer here that is not stressed. Okay. So if you're a really good student, which one is not mm-hmm. stressed? Section four. You will hear a lecturer in psychology talking about a type of memory. Today, we'll be continuing the series of lectures on memory by focusing on what is called episodic memory and what can happen if this is not working properly. Episodic memory refers to the memory of an event or episode. Episodic memories allow us to mentally travel back in time to an event from the past. Episodic memories include various details about these events. For example, when an event happened and other information, such as the location. To help understand this concept, try to remember the last time you ate dinner at a restaurant. The ability to remember where you ate who you were with and the items you ordered are all features of an episodic memory. Episodic memory is distinct from another type of memory called semantic memory. This is the type of factual memory that we have in common with everyone else. That is your general knowledge of the world. To build upon a previous example, remembering where you parked your car is an example of episodic memory. But your understanding of what a car is and how an engine works are examples of semantic memory. Unlike episodic memory, semantic memory isn't dependent on recalling personal experiences. Episodic memory can be thought of as a process with several different steps of memory processing, encoding, consolidation and retrieval. The initial step is called encoding. This involves the process of receiving and registering information which is necessary for creating memories of information or events that you experience. The degree to which you can successfully encode information depends on the level of attention you give to an event while it's actually happening. Being distracted can make effective encoding very difficult. Encoding of episodic memories is also influenced by how you process the event. For example, if you were introduced to someone called Charlie, you might make the connection that your uncle has the same name. Future recollection of Charlie's name is much easier if you have a strategy to help you encode it. All right, so... I'm hoping that now you've started to even understand the existence of sentence stress, because this is something I think a lot of students are not aware of, Mm. that we wrote down a lot of the answers. So as we said, Nick, we definitely had number 31 was information. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I think number 32, the ability to remember general information about the world, I think this is. It is world. Mm -hmm. I would say that is the one answer that she did not really... She didn't say world. Like, she said that normally. It wasn't stressed, Um, really, was it? It wasn't. But general before was super stressed, Mm -hmm. right? When she said the... um, uh, General knowledge. General knowledge. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think we can get that. But I do think that's a more difficult answer. Mm-hmm. And then also I think number 33, mm-hmm. which does not involve recalling... Personal information. Personal was super stressed. Now, she said personal experience. She did, yeah. So, mm-hmm. we, so we had a synonym there. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're following it, it should be okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then for question 34, the more... Uh, the next one was attention, which we both wrote down, actually. Which was definitely mm-hmm. stressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. really stressed. Now, I think... Um, and then finally, number uh, question 35, to remember a something, it's useful to have a strategy, a which is stress. A name. Yeah. Very good. And she definitely stressed name mm-hmm. as well as strategy. So for me, I had... When I did this the first time, I had 15 words, location personal attention and name were all there on my stressed yeah. words the only one that i didn't have was world yeah same for me i didn't get world but i got the rest of them as well yeah so again if you really want to practice your listening skills mm. first of all you can go through you know and you can listen to a lecture and just write down the stressed words mm-hmm. start training your ear for those stressed words then you can listen to the lecture and underline all of the words with the notes and then finally you can actually attempt to find the answers. And if you do that, I promise you, these uh, part four are going to become, I think, not easy, not easy but manageable. But easier. Mm-hmm. Easier. Slightly. Now, if we look at the two, though, that we had today, mm-hmm. the you know keeping clean mm. and the episodic memory, which one do you think was easier? Um, I would probably say keeping clean. I think keeping clean was a lot easier it had more headings yeah it was more factual wasn't Mm -hmm. it whereas i think this episodic memory there was a lot of extra words that she used which maybe didn't have the note she gave a lot of examples which Mm. actually we didn't need to really listen to um so i do think that there is some variation in terms of the difficulty level of these lectures so don't be surprised you know some students say oh you know Shell, I don't understand. I got 10 correct for this lecture and seven correct for that lecture. Well, that's great. But part four is just one part of the exam. Mm -hmm. Go back and look at part three for that test. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you've got three mistakes in part four, it's because in that test, they've made part three slightly easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? If you've got 10 correct, it might be that you've got the devil for part three. (laughs) And that they've had to balance that in part four so you can't look at one part separately you've got to look at the test as a whole Mm -hmm. all right there is going to be fluctuation but if you start using these techniques you know as long as your english is good enough as long as you're doing all right i think it will help you Mm -hmm. all right that's it well great good fun now we could do more on part four maybe in the future we could talk about signposting language uh or other stuff, but you know, I'm trying to keep the episodes down to under an hour. So I think for today, we've all done a good job. Well done if you've listened this far, right? You can go and have a do something nice now. I was going to say have a piece of cake, but I'm trying to be good now. So maybe go for a walk, get some fresh air. Mm. What are you going to do, Nick? I'm going to have a salad, and then I'm going to teach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the best reward in life: salad and some teaching. All right, well, on that note, um, we would leave it. Not really sure what we're going to do next week, but I'm sure it will be another teaching lesson. I'm in a teaching mood. Good. Um, so, yeah, have a lovely week. Again, good luck, Amidi. We're all rooting for you on Thursday. Same for you if you're sitting your test this week or next week. Good luck. We will send all our energy to you. Let us know how you get on. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll do well. Thanks for listening again. And, yeah, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. My IELTS Classroom podcast is a production of My IELTS Classroom Limited. Nick and I do not represent IELTS and everything you heard in this episode is our own personal opinion. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on our blog. That's blog.myieltsclassroom.com. And if you're looking for our video courses, speaking lessons and marking service, you can find that at www.myieltsclassroom.com. If you have a question or query or just want to chat, you can email Nick and I at hello at myieltsclassroom.com. Our theme music is by Heartbeat and our artwork is produced by David Brown. Have a great week, study hard and remember... This is my IELTS classroom. Thanks for listening. 
We'll see you next week.